Hey, everybody. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for asking. Welcome to the School Bridge Podcast. I'm Piers. I'm Maggie. And today we got episode 10. We're talking about what you should be doing while your kids are working. Like when you you give the directions, you're ready to, to get started on something and you say go and they get to work. What do you do? Right. It's like you're in the guided practice portion of class. You've just given them something to fill out and you say go. Exactly. What do you do after that? Well, when I was a newer teacher, I vividly remember one of the first guided practices that I had and I didn't really know what to do. And my kids started working and I was just walking around the room, just sort of wandering aimlessly. And I remember thinking, what am I supposed to be doing right now? (laughs) I remember I was always kind of fidgety as a new teacher. And it must have been the first time I filmed myself. It was guided practice. And I watched the film back. And I'm just walking around, like looking down at my hands. I'm carrying this ball. I'm throwing this ball back and forth. (laughs) But the thing I'm not doing is I'm not looking at the kids' work. I'm just walking around. You're basically one of the kids. Yeah. I'm (laughs) Just this new teacher stuff. You just don't know until you film yourself. And you're like, whoa, I'm completely wasting time right now. Like what I should be doing is looking at the kids. Exactly. I think now I I truly understand that when the kids are working is when a lot of learning and teaching actually happens based on the teacher moves you do in those moments. Right. You kind of learn that once the kids are working, that's your data collection time. That's when you should be, you know, trying to check in with kids, trying to look around, see, you know, all right. They're on task, but how well are they doing? So that kind of leads us into sort of the meat and potatoes of this episode. And when we were brainstorming this, we thought, you know, there are sort of two buckets that control teacher movements while students are working. And you can really be trying to support behavior and manage, or you can really be pushing learning and student mastery, student achievement. Sometimes you're doing both for sure, but we'll go into a couple things that you can do that are a little more management focused and then a bunch that are more learning focused. So the first thing we think about when the kids are working is where are you as a teacher? Are you still behind your desk? Are you still up at the board? Because one of the firm things that I believe in is once the kids are working, that's when you should be circulating and you should be circulating with a purpose. And that purpose should you know, to be balanced, what you were just saying, you're balancing classroom management, are they on task, and you're balancing how much data you're getting back and how well are they learning. Exactly. I, I totally agree. I think before I circulate, I often will sort of stand up in the front and make it really, really obvious that I'm looking and and watching them, not in a creepy way, but just to make them know like, okay, like I I really should do my work. Um, and you always see a couple glances, you know, kind of look up uh, mischievously. And when they lock eyes with you because you're looking at them, they they tend to get back to work a little bit quicker. Right, they know. They, you know, you say go and they're looking at you. Okay, is the teacher going to walk around? Or mm-hmm. is the teacher going to kind of shuffle their papers behind the desk? The teacher's not going to sit down. No. Like, no, uh, if, I, if I see the teacher sitting down, I'm not starting my work. Oh, no way. No. But if I stand up in front of the room and I start a timer and they see me looking at them and, you know, you give them the nod and they get started on their work. Yeah. Yeah. So like you're saying, how you got to start strong. Once the kids are working, how you start really matters. Exactly. And you know your kids best. And if you know that there's a kiddo who either has a hard time getting started or is is the least likely perhaps to get started, um, use that proximity, right? Go stand next to them or maybe even give the directions next to them so that as soon as it starts, you can 
do whatever you need to do with that kiddo or even just standing next to them sometimes is enough of a good pressure for them to get started so that the learning environment is is smooth sailing for everybody. Yeah, we got to give the Lamov shout out the TLAC, the be seen looking. Oh, yeah. I remember getting the professional development on that a few years ago. And the, you know, the title is be seen looking. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it makes sense. What are the kids seeing? Do they see you looking at them? So classic yeah. TLAC coming in. Yeah, that's always that's always a good one. So I love the be seen looking. And I love, you know, thinking about it from the student perspective. What do I look like while they're circulate? Or sorry, what do I look like while they're working? Right. You know, do they see me walking around? Like, what's the vibe like? You know, oh, I'm looking at papers. I better make sure I've got the best on my paper. And that's another thing that I like to start with in terms of when I'm circulating and they're working is really narrating the positives. Yeah. Right? Like, when it starts, as soon as it starts, when you find something good, narrate that, right? It could be something simple depending on how how much management you need to do. It could be, I love that Cassandra picked up her pencil and got to work right away. Or it could be, oh my goodness, I see that David has the word hieroglyphics in his answer, you know, but you're narrating something that you want to see and that can help kind of kickstart everybody to continue doing all the right things. Yeah, right away. As soon as you have them get going on their work, looking around, circulating, saying, oh, wow, Maggie, I love that you have average in your answer. <laughs> All the other kids are going to start doing that, too. Exactly. But, but. You're right. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. Yes. Then be quiet. Right. Right. This is more of a don't do than a do, but don't talk the whole time that they're working. They're trying to work. You just created a beautiful lesson and a great task and a, a, an important learning opportunity for them. But then we have this tendency to just keep talking and keep giving reminders and keep praising the positive. And that's super well-intentioned, but think about it from the kid's point of view. That would that would drive me a little bit crazy. Like, look, lady, you just asked me to do this thing. Will you please be quiet and let me do it? Right. And sometimes some of your instructions are like, okay, this is a silent activity. <laughs> and then who's the worst about keeping about breaking the silence? It's us. It's, it's the us. teachers. We feel like we have to fill the space. <laughs> you know, it's too quiet. It's too uncomfortable. And you do want to narrate the positive. But like you said, after you've pointed out the two or three key things you're looking for, just be quiet. Right. Right. And like the point of be seen looking, the point of proximity, the point of narrating the positive is just to get kids working as smoothly and quickly as possible so that there can be more opportunities for learning. So if they're working really well, don't continue to narrate the positive. You don't need to. Let them keep working. Right. And then when you're walking around, when you're circulating, you should have an exemplar answer in mind. You should have that key word you're looking for or that phrase. And then- Find a way to indicate to the kids that they have what you're looking for, maybe without narrating the positive, like giving them a little star on their paper or underlining a vocab word, or just giving a little dot and a thumbs up saying, like, I love your answer. You whisper it, but you don't fill that space. Right. It's sort of like, what's the purpose of circulating, right? When they're working and we're walking around, why? What are we looking for? What is our purpose? And it's to support learning, right? And so I I love having an exemplar because otherwise you might be walking around and looking at papers, but you're not really sure why. And if you have a crystal clear, perfect response, student-friendly response, of course, you can nudge them, right? Or you can make mental notes to yourself about what you're seeing that you might need to address later. Yeah, you can have that 
you know, you got your lesson plan on your clipboard and you're walking around and you have the exemplar answer on that lesson plan, you can be looking for the exact thing and then you can show kids who don't have it and you don't want to interrupt that quiet time. You can just show them the clipboard and point to a couple keywords and say, you know, make sure you have this, you know, make sure that you mm -hmm. include like this vocab word that I'm looking for and they can see exactly what they're needing to do without you having to stop and do a whole class reteach. It's just a really quick check-in to say, I like what you have so far, but this is what I'm looking for to really bring your answer over the top. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of rigor comes in because I remember when I first started using exemplars and I was teaching English at the time. And so before I started using exemplars, I'm circulating, I'm looking at their writing, I'm looking at their paragraphs, and they all looked pretty darn good, right? But once I started using exemplars and taking the time to write the ideal answer as a student, right, beforehand, then when you're circulating, you realize that their responses could actually be so much stronger. And so by having that, it just ups that rigor because I have a different, clearer, stronger picture of what that answer can and should be. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It does make you that much better of a teacher when you know the specific thing that you're looking for. Exactly. I, I, you made you reminded me that yeah, when I was a newer teacher and when I was circulating, I really was just circulating for compliance to make sure that they were on task. And I would look to see that they got started writing their answers, like writing in their journal. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't taking a deep look into what their answers actually were and then trying to see how far off the exemplar they really were. Yeah, exactly. All right, so circulate with your exemplar. Yeah. Know what you're looking for. It also helps you check in with kids and say, I love your answer. I'm going to warm call this right now. Like, I'm going to call on you when I go back to the front. Can you say this? Can you include this? Gives right. them a little heads up, pats them on the back, and it helps you when you get back after checking in with all the kids to start the conversation off with shouting out a kid for doing the right thing having a great answer, and setting the stage for what you want to talk about. Yeah, I think warm call is another TLAC strategy. Straight up TLAC, actually. I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't remember. I need to look that up. But if if you're unfamiliar, it's, you know, we know a cold call where you, you call on someone randomly. And a warm call is sort of a cold call in disguise. So it's when the, the whole class thinks you just randomly picked someone but the kid you chose knows that you picked them. You sort of let them know. You might even coach them a little bit. And so that's another, like you said, another awesome thing you can do when you're circulating is, you know, you've got your exemplar or an idea in mind of what you want to see, and you see that exact thing on a kid's paper. You can stop and whisper and say, hey, this is amazing what you're doing. When we come back together, I'm going to call on you to share, okay? You know, and like you said, then they feel good, but it's not this stressful gotcha moment or they don't feel like they're being put on the spot. They almost feel like they're kind of, you know, they're on the inside. They have a, a little inside peek into how class is running, but the rest of the class can sit there and just support their classmate and how amazing that answer was. That's perfect. But you made me think <laughs> when things are going well, yeah. but then maybe the, not enough kids have that exemplar answer. When you're walking around while the kids are working, if you know exactly what they should have, but you're not seeing it, then you give it a minute, you see if they're going to get there, and then it's a good time to actually interrupt that silence, because what's the point mm -hmm. of continuing if they're not getting that mastery that you want? Exactly. And then you have an actual thing to stop and reteach. And you can say, hey, kids, 
I'm so sorry for interrupting you. If you could please put your pencils down, put your eyes on me up here. The word I'm looking for that you don't have is because, you know, you're just answering the question, but no one really has that next level of rigor. I'm not seeing enough because. So stop where you are, look at what you have. Let's add in because, and I'm going to give you two more minutes to add to your answer. Yes. I love that. If you're seeing one, two, maybe three kids making a mistake, I think it's perfectly fine to, if it's a quick fix, to either pull them together or just kneel at each one and say, hey, remember to do X, Y, Z. But if you've seen it on five, six, seven, eight papers at this point, don't let them keep working, right? Because they, I mean, worst case scenario, they might actually end up solidifying a misunderstanding, which is really bad. And so, yeah, pause, reteach, do it quickly, right? Let them let them get back to work as soon as you can. But don't be afraid to stop that work session if it's going to result in missed learning or misunderstandings. When you're walking around, you're kind of thinking of, okay, how am I going to close out this work session that they have? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm seeing some good answers. Am I going to do a show call where I put this notebook under the dot cam mm-hmm. and tell all the students like what I love about this answer is X, Y, and Z? Am I looking for a discussion and I'm looking for people who can be kind of captains of their team for the discussion? Mm-hmm. Or you can just be walking around with a clipboard grading it on the spot. Yes, that's one of my favorite. That's That has saved me once I started doing that, because you can get so many quick grades while they are working. Obviously, you can't grade an essay while they're working. But if you are, if they're writing and you need a quick five-point grade in the gradebook for their thesis work, you can grade that on the spot or at least half of them, you know, or if it's a fill-in-the-blank thing or or what have you. But there are many ways that you can walk around with your roster and do quick, you know, kind of completion-type grading while they're working, and then you don't have to collect something and grade it when you're tired. You know, you've just got it right there. I love when they have the do now, and you can walk around and they have the homework on the desk, and you say, all right, I'm just going to grade questions three and four, and I have my clipboard, and I'm just doing, you know, spot grading, like, oh, they've got it, they don't, Mm -hmm. or the assignment's missing. Mm -hmm. The clipboard is really your hero when when the kids are working and when you're circulating, because you can have your exemplar on it, you can have your rosters on it, especially... If I'm in the seat and I'm a kid and I see you walking with a clipboard, I know something's going on the clipboard. So oh, totally. I'm going to be at my best. And you might even have notes where maybe on the prior's day work when you were circulating, you noticed that four kids were struggling a little bit with a certain function, you know, and so you make that note. And then the next day when they're working, you have that date on your clipboard to go, oh my gosh, that's right. I'm going to check in with this kid, this kid, this kid. And so... After you give your directions, you say go, you're seen looking, et cetera, you go straight to that child and make sure that you can wrap up anything that they may have missed from, you know, earlier learning periods. I was just thinking you could even have a couple sentence starters that you have printed out that you've cut up. And while you're circulating, they're on your clipboard. And when you see kids who just need a little bit of support, you know, especially even getting started, you can just slide them a little piece of paper, kind of discreet, and say, use the sentence to begin. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you should also be checking in of all the kids who have accommodations while you're doing that circulating. That's, we were sort of starting to pivot into that anyway. So that's sort of the next bucket of teacher actions that we can take when kids are working. So I would say the first one that we were just talking about is really just circulating with a purpose, right? What 
What can you do while you're walking around the room looking at student work? And then I think the second big bucket is how can you partner with kids, right? How can you support um, kids who need it a little bit more in that moment than the rest of the class? And you just mentioned a huge one, and that's accommodations. Make sure that kids who have accommodations are getting them and that they know how to use them because sometimes you might be giving the graphic organizer, but they don't actually know how to use it. And so they're not getting access to their accommodations. So you might need to support them with that. Right. When you're circulating in the beginning, you're kind of thinking large. You're thinking, let's get all the kids on task and let's let them know what we're looking for. And then you can do kind of smaller group or targeted intervention. You can check in with your kids with accommodations. One, is the document that they're working on accommodated? And two, are they using the services provided to them? Because mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, there might be a graphic organizer on the page, but they might still not feel like they have access to it without you clarifying some directions. Exactly. And so sometimes I think when kids are working, you can that can be a really good time to do a small group poll um, or even like one to four kids. And one of my favorite things to do with that is actually just help them get started on that exercise. So if it's guided practice, if it's independent practice, um, sometimes I'll pull them and we'll just do it together actually. And it, you sort of use it as like a, almost like a, a guided practice 2.0, right? Where you're sort of walking them through it because it might be fruitless for some kids to try and struggle through the independent practice on their own at that point. They might need a couple more days of support before they can truly do it independently. So do it with them, you know? I mean, you can work together on that. Right. You know, we just talked about, you know, not filling the space, but if you have a small group that you need to check in with, like, yeah, do work with one or two kids and just do the first two, the first three together. Maybe they were absent. Maybe they still feel like they're not quite getting it and you have to reteach it. Yeah. That guided practice 2.0. That's what, I mean, that's what, the purpose of circulating is, is to make sure that the kids are on the road towards mastery. That's a, that's an opportunity to help those kids. That's what I was just thinking. It's, it's really, there are a million different things we could do. And the guiding question, the guiding principle is what's going to help kids learn the most. And so whatever choice is best in that moment is the best choice, right? As long as it is serving kids and helping them learn and achieve, do that thing. Whatever's going to answer the question, what's going to help the most kids in that moment, just do that. Yeah, as you move in your teaching career, you know, you think what should you be doing while the kids are working? You should be doing as much as you can to facilitate that instruction. It's just when you're a newer teacher, you don't really know what to do. Yeah. You're just kind of focusing on management. And then once management is sound, then you can look for misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. You can fill in those gaps. And even when it's I, like I was, I don't know, sort of midway through my career when I first learned about exemplars and the power of doing that work and having it with you. And that changed the game so much for me. I think we can always sort of tweak and add and refine. And I think that's exciting. That's one of the things I love about teaching is you really can get better at it every single day. All right. So I think the one of the final things we were going to talk about with what you should do while the kids are working is think about yourself in the kids shoes and how does it feel social and emotionally yeah when you're walking around as the teacher do you feel kind of imposing do you feel scary do you feel intimidating 
or if I'm in the student seat, do I know that you're circulating to help me? Once I start working, can I count on you to be there to support me while I'm doing my work? Or do I feel like you're watching over my shoulder just so I get started? That's such a good point. And it, it makes me think, you know, earlier in the year, you might want to circulate much less for grading and much more for praise and encouragement, right? Like a lot of culture is sort of built in those work times. And again, if I'm a kid who's maybe I've had a really rough day and maybe as the teacher, I notice this. Maybe I notice, ooh, so-and-so seems a little off or a little cranky and they had their head down while we were working. And, you know, again, what's the most important thing to help kids in that moment? Honestly, it might be just chatting with that kid, right? And so you send everyone off into independent practice, they're working, and you might just check in with that kid and make sure that they're okay. And, you know, if they're not, see if there's anything you can do. And at the very least, let them know that you noticed and that you care, you know? Yeah, you made me think of all, you know, when the kids have their heads down on the desk, it's telling you something. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe they didn't get enough sleep. Maybe they're staying up too late. Maybe it's not a positive reason why they're staying up super late. Right. You know, maybe they're watching a sibling while their parents are at work, or maybe they're just gaming and they're stuck on their phones <laughs> and they're just not doing the right thing and going to bed. Yeah. You should check in before you ask them to do any kind of work. Yeah. And yeah, that's what you do while their kids are working. Most of the kids are there on task, but you see that kid with their head on the desk. Yeah. Go check in with them first. Yeah. You know, narrate some positive and then go check in with them. Totally. You know, it matters less that they're getting their work done then and that they, they're okay. Exactly. Like let's say a kid did have a rough night for a million different reasons and it's time to work and the first thing the teacher does is reprimand them for yeah. not working fast enough or not doing the right thing. Like then you're going to care even less, you know? So yeah, of course, you know, we want to make sure management is solid. We want to push rigor. We want to provide accommodations and support learning. But Part of learning is social and emotional health. And so I think that's a, a an important thing that we can do during work time is just keep an eye on everyone and check in as needed. For sure. Yeah. And again, just think of yourself in the kids' shoes. How does it feel when they're working? Yep. Hopefully right. it feels exciting and, you know, urgent. Um, and, you know, there are different things that we can do to push that. All right. So we spend this time talking about what kids should be doing, or sorry, what you should be doing while the kids are working. And what kids should be doing. Yeah, and what kids <laughs> should be doing. Let's just do like a quick check for understanding run through. Oh, I like that. Okay. All right. So when the kids are working, you can kind of think about it as two big buckets. One, there's the management bucket, and there's the checking in to see how learning is going bucket, yep. the mastery bucket. So those are the two big things to think about. Once you release the kids to do work, how's management going? And now it's time to check in on their progress. Yep. And when you're checking in on their progress, that really all comes down to circulating. So make sure that you are moving around the room. Um, I sometimes like to have a specific pathway for different blocks where I will go in a specific direction to look at certain kids' work before uh, moving on to others. And know what you're looking for, right? Have a goal. Know what you're looking for. And do whatever you need to do to support that learning, whether it's praising or showing an exemplar or pausing the class, pulling a small group. There are many things we can do. It's just whatever you need in that moment to push as many kids forward as you can. Yep. 
and then think about how it's going to end, what you're going to do to close the activity. Are you going to go right into another partner practice? Are you going to show call some answers? Are you going to go to a discussion? Mm -hmm. And then once you kind of have that data, then do some small group polls, some individual check-ins, check in with kids, see how they're doing. So it starts with circulating the whole group, checking in with individual kids after that, thinking about how you're going to close it out, and then transitions. Yeah, and always think about how it feels from your student's perspective. All right, so you made me think of some things I'm going to make sure I do this week Ooh. while my kids are working. Okay. Um, I'm definitely going to carry an exemplar. Mm -hmm. um, I was doing a pretty good job last week of like underlining key answers in the kids, but I should write out my exemplars again, especially to show the kids who aren't doing their work, or sorry, who don't have the answer I'm looking for. Like, yeah. now nah, this is what we're trying to get to. It's just like key point one up on the board there. How can you put this in your own words? Yep. And then can I come back to you? Can I ask you to share it with the group when we're done? Yep. I love that. What are you going to work on? Well, I was really good about spot grading last week. And I realized it actually saved me a good chunk of my own time on the weekend. So I really want to keep up with that. I have a couple things pinpointed that are quick, sort of easy, more completion type grades. Um, and then I actually am going to work on some small group polls. We're starting a bigger paper. And when we were brainstorming this, I was thinking, of course, of my kids. And I realized there's a group that would benefit a lot if we wrote a couple of the, the first pieces together. So that's what we're going to do. Nice. Yeah. It'll be a good week coming up. It will. All right. Anything else? That's it. I hope everyone has a wonderful week and your students are perfectly behaved angels and every lesson plan goes flawlessly. Yeah. They're lucky to have you. And thank you for listening to School Bridge. Thank you. See you soon. Bye.